0: so today I want to talk about freedom from fear I want to talk about fear there's a lot of issues in society right now relative to this whole thing that we call fear medical experts social scientists say we're living in a day and a time of unprecedented fear and anxiety Kenneth R Peltier he's got a phd and an md he is the clinical professor of medicine and psychiatry at the university of california school of medicine in san francisco this is what he has to say about how psychological factors are affecting us physically psychological factors stress in particular are being recognized as a major contributing factor in what we often see as chronic degenerative disease by this i mean such conditions as heart disease arthritis depressive conditions and even cancer stress for a short period of time is fine however if it becomes protracted the result can be tachycardia it's normal for your heart rate to rise during exercise or as a physiological response to stress trauma or illness but in tachycardia the heart beats faster than normal while at rest So left untreated, tachycardia can disrupt normal heart function and lead to serious complications including heart failure, stroke, sudden cardiac arrest, or even death. Today, guys, look around. I mean, you know, phobias. Everywhere we look, there's amazing on the list of phobias. I I had a, a read at, you know, what is the number one thing people are afraid of. You know what it is? public speaking. I'm afraid right now. Pray for me. Uh, Seriously. And then, you know, there's fear of needles, fear of insects, fear of snakes, you know. There's claustrophobia. And then, there's agoraphobia, which is the opposite of claustrophobia, wide open spaces where we don't like to be around, you know, in crowds and so on, and we recognize that. So, but I was looking at, there's a topic that's called social phobias, and social phobias are the most common type of fear. They're considered an anxiety disorder, and they include excessive self-consciousness in social situations. For example... Some people fear being judged so much that they avoid specific situations like eating in front of other people. Yeah. It's a real battle for them. They don't want to even eat in front of other people because they are so driven by fear that, that someone might comment about how they eat or say something. It's a terrible, terrible thing. The study also says that up to one in twenty people, and this is here in Australia, have a social phobia. Up to one in twenty, we're living in a time when many people have real, genuine battles with fear to the point that it is uh, crippling them. It, it's it's a terrible thing. So, what about you? Any fears? What fear creeps into your life from time to time? What fear may be resident in you right now? Is there anything that you are dealing with in terms of fear, anxiety, an area in your life in which you struggle? I mean, you know, some people, they get a little bit older and they're afraid that they, they won't ever find a partner to marry. Then those who are married deal with fear that one day they just might wake up and their, their spouse might you know, I've written a letter saying, I'm gone, I'm leaving, on and on. There's so many different things that people deal with in regards to fear. Some people are afraid they might fail at work or they might lose their job, you know. They have fears about their health. Do you worry regularly? Do you borrow trouble? That's worry. There's things that you cannot control they're out of your, uh, your grass, so to speak, but it consumes your thinking. Emotionally, you engage and worry from time to time. What about your kids? About their friends, their financial situation, their, their faith, their relationship with God. You know, all of these things are real struggles that we have in the world in which we live. Christians as well. And you know Satan knows our vulnerabilities he is aware of our weaknesses and the areas in which we we uh, contest anxiety and fear and so on and I really believe that he intentionally targets those areas because fear is powerful fear is extremely powerful in fact you know something interesting about fear in the Hebrew language the word that is translated worship is fear you look at several places there's an example in second Kings 17 and it talks about how they feared god and then it says they also feared the idols or the gods of other nations so in a sense fear lends itself to a uh, to a degree of worship what we fear we worship. What do I mean by that? Well, the word worship in English has the idea of seeing something, viewing something as worthy. And because you see it as having great worth, you give your time, your allegiance, your energy is is directed toward that thing. Now, we would never say, most of us here, particularly people that come from You know a Western culture that we've really necessarily engaged in idol worship but we know there are people that are here even in this room today that come from countries originally where idolatry is very real it's very rampant people do worship idols but the Bible says that there are things and even people in life that if we're not careful if we esteem them of such great significance that what ends up happening is we get into this trap where we we try to please people and we actually work so hard to to acquire things um, to to perhaps be promoted to be recognized and so on that it actually we're giving more of our time, more of our energy, more of our affection to these things than we aren't even God himself. In the book of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 5, and then it's reiterated in Colossians 3, verse 5, Paul says that covetousness is idolatry. Covetousness is idolatry. So what we fear, we worship. Wow. You know, are you afraid that things are just going to fall apart in your life? You know? Are you afraid of stepping out and doing something because what if I do it and I fail are you fearful of being rejected by others and so you isolate yourself you know you live in this insular uh, place and you are in a cocoon so to speak because you're afraid if I do this you know I tried it once or and I had a negative experience and so we withdraw and and we live in this place of safety but in reality God has not given us a spirit of fear but a power love and a sound mind so what you're doing is being motivated by fear and what you're doing is you are giving you know a sense of value to that situation in a greater way than you would even God I, you elevate, you esteem what it is that you're afraid of happening to you, that you are actually, it's overriding your faith and your dependence on God to see you through. I've had people say, I've tried fasting, nothing happened. I've tried, you know, uh, serving and giving and I've, I've tried praying every day and, and, and it really didn't make any difference in my life. In fact, when I did these things, situations in my life even got worse (laughs) well i wonder why that would be who's afraid of the big bad wolf who's afraid of a person that steps out and does the will of god even though inwardly they might be trembling who do you think wants to stop you and me from being obedient to the will of god do you think jesus is behind that obviously it's the enemy and the enemy targets the area of fear in our lives he preys on our insecurities our anxieties our distresses and he in fact tries to persuade us in a sense that God is powerless, indifferent, or distant. David, a man after God's own heart, cried out in Psalm 13:1. He said, How long, O Lord, will you forget me? Forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Where are you, God? Don't you care? Don't you? Uh, aren't you concerned about what I'm going through well the truth is God is not powerless his power is immeasurably great Ephesians 1:19 says God is not indifferent towards you he cares for you as a loving father does for his children God is not distance the Bible says in Psalm one forty five eighteen, he's near to all who call upon him but he can feel far away especially when we are dealing with fear you know why because sometimes God seems or appears far away to us because we have actually removed ourselves from earshot we are actually in a place where the voices that are and the noise that is in our soul is so powerful and it's so loud that it's canceling out the voice of God and it actually puts us in a place where we're not able to perceive and even receive His peace. Fear. Fear is powerful. Fear demands a response, even a commitment, because fear means to worship what we fear. Fear. We worship so fear demands a response fear evokes a commitment from you and me how do we deal with fear well we can respond to fear or we can react to fear if you go to a doctor and you know they diagnose you with a particular condition they may write you uh, you know A prescription for a medication. And they give that to you and they may ask you, do you have any allergies? You know, do you, is there anything that you may have an adverse effect to? And, and you might give them a list. Well, you know, I took this and this is what happened to me. And, but what are they doing? They're trying to find out if your body will respond to that medicine or will your body react to that medicine. And we have a choice as Christians. We can react to fear, or we can respond to fear. The latter is healthy. The former is toxic. God tells us in the Bible to not be afraid. Did you know that? He said, well, that's hyperbole. You know, that's that's god saying something that he really doesn't expect us to live up to you know interestingly there's over 300 i've been told that there are 366 times in the bible where god says do not be afraid or fear not isn't that interesting one scholar told me that and when you if that's true i don't know i haven't actually looked but he claims it is it's interesting right that's One commandment to not be afraid for every day of the year, even in a leap year. Don't be afraid. Fear not. Why? For I'm with you. For the Lord your God is mighty. On and on. It's coupled with something that points us back to either God's presence with us or his power with us. God's love for his people. God's power. So we can have a sound mind. We don't have to be stressed out like the world because God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but God has given us the spirit that is the Holy Spirit who is a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. <laughs> Timothy, you know, Timothy is a, a young man who Paul is is has essentially turned over all of the responsibilities of ministry to timothy had been raising him up for many years and timothy's now in ephesus and paul says in in the uh second letter to timothy in chapter one he says verse six timothy you know you need to fan into flame or you need to stir up the gift of god that is within you and and then he says in the next verse for god has not given you that spirit of timidity evidently Timothy struggled with timidity. There's some amazing, um, brilliant people in our world who they go to a certain place in terms of their achievements and their influence, but then they're not able to reach their full, um, you know, optimal uh, place of impact and influence because of timidity of fear. There's something in them that has stopped them, that is stopping them, that's shutting them down from being able to become all that God wants them to be and doing everything that he wants them to do. So what happens is we recognize that this whole thing about about fear, it's not from God, right? It's not from God. What What do we need to understand about fear? Well, we need to, first of all, recognize that fear... Is not from God God has not given us a spirit of fear so the first thing we need to do is we need to recognize that God has not given us that spirit of fear so look at it are you dealing with fear in your life then you need to identify it straight away as it's not its origin it's not of God God's not given us fear but God has given to us what the spirit who gives us power love and a sound mind so what god has not given to us and then what god has given to us paul is reminding timothy timothy i know i've entrusted all of this responsibility to you you struggle with it you you question your ability to do it and and perhaps timothy was a person who you know maybe there were times when he, he just struggled to confront situations but Paul's telling him, Timothy, don't be afraid. God's with you. His spirit is in you. God's not given you that spirit of fear, but he has given you the spirit, Holy Spirit, that gives you power, love, and a sound mind. Timothy, you can do this because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion. <laughs> We don't have to be afraid of anything or anyone in fact jesus said don't be afraid of those who can destroy your body and then after that do nothing but i'll show you whom you are to fear fear him who has the power to destroy the body and the soul and cast it into hell there's obviously a healthy degree of fear we fear god we reverence god we respect him we we recognize who he is and and there should be a sense in which if we are living in in disobedience and rebellion to god there there should be a fear that we we are not going to experience uh, what he's promised in terms of our eternal inheritance and and our, the blessing in this life as well we should fear these things and it should bring us to a place just like when you touch fire and your hand retracts and, and you withdraw your hand, you know, because you're afraid. And, you know, it's unfortunately you learn your lesson, right? And you see a little child touches a hot burner or fingers in a PowerPoint or something happens and they learn their lesson. And this is, in a sense, we don't wish that upon anyone, of course, and we, we try to prevent it, but there is a sense in which sometimes because of our determination to, to go against God's will, and we test God, and, and we we live in disobedience and even outright rebellion at times, that we experience those things that cause a good, healthy type of fear in us, right? Like when God is dealing with people, in the Old Testament, remember the Israelites, they're at the foot of Mount Sinai, God shows up when all his power and and majesty and they're afraid and God says you know what don't be afraid or fear not because the fear of God has come to keep you from sinning (laughs) in the New Testament Luke chapter 5 Peter is in the boat with Jesus he'd been fishing all night he hadn't caught anything And Jesus tells him to launch out into the deep, let down your nets. Peter goes out, lets down a net, a net, not nets. And what ends up taking place is this amazing, miraculous catch of fish occurs. And at that point, Peter draws back from Jesus and looks at him and says, Away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. And Jesus looks at him, and he says, Peter, don't be afraid. For now on, you'll catch men. He experienced the fear of God, which caused him to recognize who God rightly is. But from that point, just like in the day of Moses and Jesus himself says, don't be afraid. You understand the fear of God. Now, Recognize that God is with you when you reverence and respect him. And when you reverence and respect him, when you fear anything that can separate you from him, and you then live in a place where you have to fear nothing. Because the fear of man will keep us from the fear of God, but the fear of God will keep us from the fear of man. We live in that place where we have absolutely nothing to be afraid of. There is no fear in love because perfect love drives out fear. The one who is not made perfect in love fears. Perfect love casts out, drives out fear. What is what is he speaking of? He's saying that when we know the love of God and when we live in a place where the love of God is not just something that we're perceiving and, and we understand, you know, factually, but it's a reality in us because, listen to this, if you read one First John, you'll see very clearly that he talks about those who say they love God but they don't keep his commandments and say he don't abide in love and then when you read the book of Jude there's this amazing commandment it's a statement that Jude says this keep yourselves in the love of God keep yourselves in the love of God the word keep in the Greek language it's a military term it means to guard Um, vigilantly to keep your eye upon something so what does that mean I mean I thought God loves us unconditionally and that God wants us you know just to know that he loves us yes he does love us unconditionally but God loves us the way we are true but not wanting to leave us the way we are because he loves us more than that he wants to change us and he expects us to love him you know, Jesus talked about in John chapter 14 about the person who who says they love God, and he says, The if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And he made the statement, he said, and the person who loves me and loves my father will be the who loves me and keeps the commandments will be loved by my father. Will be loved by my father. How does that work? Well, Robin already alluded to 1 John 4:19 this morning, where it says, We love him because he first loved us, right? Well, no. Look, you didn't wake up one day, I didn't wake up one day and say, I think I'm going to go on a spiritual quest and, and find who God is. The Bible says that God works in us to willing to do his good pleasure. John Wesley called it provenient grace. There's something that God awakens in us that has this desire to get to know him. You know, when you read Romans 3 and you go into the Old Testament, it says no one seeks after God. No one no one by their own volition no one on their own initiative desires to know god but god puts in us he stirs us he he does something to awaken us to bring us to that place where we begin to respond we respond we have a choice will you respond It's an amazing thing when you find people, I find especially people from nations where they've never heard the gospel and and people that have come out of other religions, you know, and you see these people and they've never known the true and living God, but when they do know, when they finally realize who he is and encounter him, they just come alive. I remember a conversation I had back in Canada with a couple who were Muslims, and they didn't understand the gospel. They they didn't understand who Jesus was and how much he loved them. And then when they got saved and they were born again, I mean, they totally repented of anything they were doing that was wrong, and they started doing the right things. And I remember one day they came to me and they said, you know, we were reading in the Bible about 10% and how God wants us to give him 10%, and we believe in that, and we're going to do that, and we're giving more than 10%. But we also feel that we need to tithe on our time as well. And so we're going to set aside time every day just to pray, just to seek God. And we're going to make sure that we do 2.4 hours a day as a minimum base. In prayer and worship, as, as a couple together, I'm not sure. But the point I'm trying to make is that they saw this, guys, and They didn't need a pastor or a preacher to, you know, keep uh, telling them week after week, you need to read your Bible, you need to pray, you need to go to church. Something was awakened in them that caused just this genuine hunger and desire to do the will of the Father. And I believe that we all have that capacity. That's in each and every one of us but what happens often is the enemy comes to us and he tries to stop us from our pursuit of god there's different things that he does deception is one approach distraction is another approach right he makes us tries to get us so busy so distracted putting out fires you know dealing with so many issues but then there's another area and that simply has to do with fear. And fear that results in us doubting. I'm not sure if I do this, what's going to happen. I I don't know what's going to take place. And we live in a place of incapacitation and procrastination. Because we talk about, you know, how... We, we fight and flight, right? You know, this is the classic syndrome of, of fight or flight, right? You know, you're afraid what takes place. You're either going to fight or you're going to run. And your adrenaline kicks in, right? And that's p- part of the way that we're wired. But the reality is for us as Christians, it has to be a healthy thing. It has to be a healthy thing. We're not to fight. Uh, fear in the sense of it being something that we do in our own strength or our own human resources and we're not to flee from it like we are uh, being chased by it's more powerful than us there's a place In our relationship with God where we do fight the good fight of faith and we do flee from those things that are evil but we have to confront fear we have to look our fear in the face and the longer we try to hide from our fears and we won't approach those things then the longer we're going to stay bound and we're not going to be able to go to the next level David had to confront the bear I don't know about you but if I was attacked by a bear I think my heart might beat a little faster. There might be some adrenaline released. But David confronted the bear, then the lion. And what he was doing was setting him up for greater levels of breakthrough. You know, we talk about new levels, new devils. That's true that when we want to go further with God, there's going to be battles that we're going to have to fight in order to go to the next level. So it might be the bear, the lion, then the giant. But we've got to confront our fears. We've got to deal with our fears. Fear wants to lord it over you and me. Fear wants to master us. Fear will either lead to paralysis or it will cause us to panic paralysis we we are incapacitated we we don't want to take a risk we're indecisive because we're afraid we won't succeed or panic you know when we when we're afraid we sometimes act impulsively we fail to wait on the lord for his timing his counsel his guidance and when we run ahead of the lord you know to make it happen to to get it done we can create a mess and Like Abraham we end up giving birth to things that was never God's intention come on now because God helps those who help themselves we reason but we're doing something out of fear we're not waiting on the Lord guys the truth is as Christians we have nothing to fear nothing Like I said, I understand. You might think, well, yeah, that's easy to say, but you don't know what I'm dealing with. I don't know what you're dealing with, but you don't know what I'm dealing with. And how do you know that your situation is any worse than mine? Anyone who God has used greatly has had to overcome fear. Fear of rejection. What if people say this about me? What if people think this about me? (laughs) Fear of failure. What if I try it and it doesn't work? You know, I've tried so many times. I'm not going to try anymore. What about the fear of death? Wow. You know, when you think about the fear of rejection, so powerful in our society today we 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 have um this this whole issue on social media we're bullying right and and what happens is people are bullied in school they're bullied on social media and and the next thing we hear is some young person takes their life why because the pain of rejection and what they've experienced is so forceful to them it's so impacting to them you remember years ago sticks and stones may break my bones but names and today we don't even believe that anymore today it's just like what you say about me defines who I am and I live in a place where my self-worth is is dictated by what you say about me and obviously we know that's not healthy but as Christians it's very evident that we are not to be like that we don't have to be like that because we not only know whose we are but we know whom we are We know we belong to him. We know we have a loving heavenly father that cares for us. And no matter what is happening in our life, no matter what we're going through, we can live in a place of victory because we respond to fear rather than react to fear. You know, what about if this happens? What about that? What if, what if, what if? And some people live like that they honestly think that way day after day it's it's an obsession what if what if what if I don't want to do this because what if what a terrible thing you know I love the story of Peter in in um, in the Gospels and how what ends up happening is you know Peter sees Jesus here they are in the midst of a storm Jesus comes to them in the boat walking on the water And you know you look at peter what an amazing thing he says lord if that's really you tell me to come walk on the water and so jesus says okay come peter gets out of the boat he starts to walk on the water in the midst of a storm and then he's walking and he looks at the waves he see he, he's experiencing the tempest of the wind and the waves and then he begins to doubt He takes his eyes off of jesus he begins to sink he cries out and then jesus says to him why didn't you trust me why didn't you believe me why why did you have faith in me and a lot of times when we read that story we look at peter and we go yeah peter you know he's he is very, very, um, you know, impulsive, and, and uh, he really, really didn't, uh, he doesn't understand faith. Look how his faith wavered and vacillated. Guys, but I'm telling you, most of us would have never got out of the boat. Most of us would have never gotten out of the boat. We'd be like the other 11 disciples. You go, Peter. Right? Well, come on now. You're going to get out of the boat, and at least when you get out of the boat, you say, well, what if I fail? What if you do? Jesus is there. He'll pull you up. He might say, why didn't you believe me? Why didn't you trust me? But he's there to rescue you and to take your hand. He's not going to let you go down for the counts. <laughs> and wouldn't you rather be a wet water walker than a dry boat talker? Come on. That's the truth. Think about Peter, right? Wow, amazing. Rejection. Wow. You know, it talks about in John's gospel in particular about they love the praise of man more than the praise of God. They seek the approval of man, the accolades of people, more than the praise, the accolades, acceptance, and approval of God. Time after time after time. We have so many people like that today, right? I don't want to say anything because people might, think this way about me, or so on and so forth. And they're so insecure. They're so insecure. And it's not a case of even, listen, nobody's ever going to think well of you all the time. Okay? Even your best friends and your family is not going to think well of you all the time. (laughs) So you might as well just get over it. Okay? And that's the truth. That's the way it is. So people that don't know you, people that misunderstand you and misread you, of course they're going to think and talk about you in certain ways. But don't worry about rejection because God will never reject you. God, your father, loves you. He'll never forsake you. You are secure in your relationship with him. There's absolutely nothing that you need to be afraid of. You don't need to seek the approval of others. What about Death. Many people today are afraid of dying. And then, of course, we have people that take their own lives, and it's they're just so overwhelmed, they're so despondent. But the truth is, the Bible tells us that God has dealt a blow to the fear of death. Jesus, in Hebrews 2.15, came and gave his life on the cross to free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. Jesus said in Revelation 1, 17 and 18, Do not be afraid. Wow. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I live forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Wow. Nothing to be afraid of. Nothing to be afraid of. We shouldn't be fearful of dying. Not at all. You know, if we're right with God, if we surrender to Him, yes, even when you make mistakes, you don't have to be afraid because His blood is there. When you come before Him in humility, He's there to help you. But do you understand that this place that God has called us to, where there's absolutely no fear in our lives, what an amazing truth. I want to read out of Luke chapter 1. Verse 69, 74 through 75, it says, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he's come to his people and redeemed them to rescue us from the hand of our enemies. Look at this. And enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. God has enabled us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him how often most days on the good days on the days when when we're in good health when when financially we're we're doing well on those days no all our days without fear you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves Instead, you've received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. He's redeemed us from slavery to fear. We don't have to be afraid of anything. God is with us. If we mess up, his blood is sufficient. If things happen that we didn't anticipate happening, God is there to give us grace, to give us power. When people do things to us, say things to us, it's okay. God is with us. It has nothing to do with our security, our position, our identity. It has nothing to do with that. Jesus never, ever once was even offended by people. But people said some nasty things about Jesus. And he just looked at them. Often he never said a word, he never responded, he never even, uh, you know, challenged them. But sometimes, you know, we see Jesus saying, Father, forgive them. But he was never, ever affected or influenced by what people thought about him, what they said about him. Why? Listen to this. In the book of Daniel, chapter 11, verse 32, the book of Daniel eleven thirty two, we read this. But the people who know their God, intimacy shall be strong, identity and carry out great exploits. Destiny. Do you see that? The latter part, verse B. But the people who know their God, the people who what? Know their God. That's intimacy. Shall be strong what's that mean we know who they are they're they're unmovable they're not going to be swayed or tossed to and fro because intimacy feeds and defines and strengthens our identity and then our identity causes us to live out our destiny we do great exploits it's a place of intimacy. And I, I love, you know, the story in, in, in the book of John and how there's this disciple and, and we're told he's the disciple whom Jesus loved. And we read about him and, and most likely this was John. And John, we see he's, he's constantly in a place of intimacy and communion with Jesus. His head is leaning on Jesus' breast. And the disciple whom Jesus loved, his head is on Jesus' breast. He's always in close proximity to Jesus. He's always the closest to him. And he knew, he's writing, guys, he wrote the book, and he's talking about himself, and he's saying, the disciple whom Jesus loved, (coughs) that's me. Um, (coughs) Hey, y'all, that's me. But the disciple whom Jesus loved what he's got his head against Jesus breast. Jesus loves him he's 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 Jesus homeboy you know he's Jesus favorite and he is loved by Jesus now do you think that Jesus loved John any better than the rest no but it wasn't a fact but it was his perception I'm the one that Jesus loves I know he loves me. How does he know that Jesus loved him? Because he spent time with Jesus. He, he knew Jesus' thought. He, he heard the voice of Christ. He, he received affirmation from Jesus. So it was out of his place of intimacy that his identity was forged. The full realization of who you are. You can quote all the new creation reality scriptures. You can say, I'm... A new creation in Christ. I'm the head. I'm not the tail. I'm loved and that's okay. But if it's just some, you know, uh, academic exercise in which you're giving mental assent to some scriptural truths, but it hasn't gone from here to here, then it won't change you. Right? It won't change you. It has to come to a place where it's more than just facts. It's revelation, not just information. Is something that you're experiencing not just something you can explain or or you know say from a scriptural perspective you should be able to say it scripturally you should be able to support these things but but even if you weren't able to support it if you're a brand-new Christian and you don't even know any of the Bible yet but you're so encountered the love of God you know you're loved you know you're loved you might have questions and you might be I don't understand how God loves me after all the things I've done. And you might have, you know, some areas in which you just really don't fully grasp the profoundness of what has happened to you. But you know it's real. You know it's true. So in that place of intimacy, we live out our security. Nothing to be afraid. God's with me. I don't need to be afraid. There's nothing going on that that has caught him by surprise. He's not going to leave me. He's never forsaken me. And I don't have to be afraid of anything. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, worship team, come please. This is what it says. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done then you will experience god's peace which exceeds anything we can understand wow his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in christ jesus what an amazing truth isn't it so guys when you're going through stuff when when you're worried when you feel afraid you know you say well i thought we weren't supposed to be afraid yes but it there is a process to go through let me share Psalm 56, 3 and 4. David says, When I am afraid. Okay. Watch this. Watch this. This is really good. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Come on now. Is there anybody who can say there's been times when you're afraid? You've been afraid, right? Okay. Is there anyone who say today, I am afraid. Okay. When you are afraid, when I am afraid, what do we do? I put my trust in you. Then guess what happens? In God whose word I praise so I put my trust in the Lord and I put my trust in God's word I praise his word I honor his word I esteem his word in God I trust and am not afraid what can mere mortals do to me So we go through this process you know my my heart and my flesh and my soul is in trepidation and and i don't know what's going to happen here and and i'm feeling anxious and there's something in me but then what happens is we just kind of give ourselves a slap in the face and we say soul calm down relax it's all good put your trust in god and then all of a sudden what takes place is when we roll over our, our burdens on, on Yahweh and Jehovah, what ends up happening is the fear dissipates. It goes. And it's like, wow, that was just a big bad wolf. I mean, what was I afraid of? What was that? You know, your house is made out of bricks. He can huff and puff, but he's not going to blow it down. <laughs> you, you are on a firm foundation. God is with you. And you have nothing to be afraid of, nothing at all. Amen? Hallelujah, let's stand together. We travel to see what's around the bend and what we're capable of. And now Capital One's new class of travel card can keep up with you. Introducing Venture X from Capital One with 10X miles on hotels and rental cars and 5X miles on flights booked through Capital One Travel and 2X miles on everything else you buy. Venture X. For those always asking, where next? Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.